0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz podcast, your weekly source for women's American football insights, game recaps, and NFL news weekly.
0: Subscribe on Apple and iHeart.
1: Welcome to episode 437, Gridiron Blitz, Oscar Lopez in the house. Uh, we will not have the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, back this week. Uh, she'll be back maybe in April, having some uh, things that she's t- taking care of with family. Uh, we are also, unfortunately, we had Connie Kahlberg scheduled to be on in the interview today. And due to some health uh, issues that came around before the uh, podcast uh, was going on, she's not going to be able to make it. We'll have to reschedule Connie uh, Kalberg. Um, she did want to apologize to our audience as well as myself. Apologies for that. Unfortunately, things do happen sometimes where that's going to be the case. But uh, looking forward to having Connie back and a future podcast with us, so we can talk football and uh, Women's uh, History uh, History Month as well. And so uh, we'll have Connie uh, rescheduled probably by April or so, and then we'll just kind of dive into her. At, into her story as well. Uh, if you haven't seen her story or heard about her, you can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash beauties uh, It was done uh, by NFL Films, so you can get, check out her story right there as well at the hub, and then we're, we're going to dive into her, uh, talk about a little Super Bowl 57. We'll dive into uh, women's sports and the opportunities and stuff, so once we have her back on, but unfortunately, she's not going to be able to make it today for us, so I apologize for that, but we are going to have a great show. Two hours jam-packed, as always of the Gridiron Blitz. Uh, first hour, we're going to dive into the XFL season three, uh, uh, week three. Then we're going to dive into a little bit of off, uh, NFL off news and notes. And then in the second hour, we're going to dive in exclusively to the Women's Football Alliance as the uh, WFA, uh, WFA Pro National uh, predictions were coming in. So we're going to have Coach Terry Lister in the house. We'll have uh, the Oracle, uh, Mark Simone, a.k.a. the backseat coach plus the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks. And we're going to also dive into the WFA D2 first look schedule matchups of the D2 schedule of the WFA. Go to WFAProFootball.com. Get the latest schedules there for the 2023 season. You can also get information on each individual team's sites as where you can get tickets in your nearby regional area that you are living in and you want to catch a matchup game of the week. Uh, we normally week to week we will kind of feature and kind of go through a couple games of the week. So if you're inclined, you can actually, you can actually go see those teams if you're in that nearby state where the teams are playing. Uh, it's competitive football. It is high level football. And so uh, the WFA uh, longest longest and largest uh, sports league in terms of women's tackle football. It's been in existence since 2009. So check it out wfa.profootball.com. You can go on Twitter as well at w- at wfa football also I believe on Instagram at WFA Football but you can go to WFAProFootball.com, get information there on everything that's happening in the 2023 season. We're going to be talking like I said WFA Pro national uh, 2023 uh, matchups and predictions. That's a big big deal there on the East Coast and then next week we'll dive into the American uh, WFA pro American uh, matchups and predictions and then as we go towards the last week of the month, we're going to dive in exclusively once the rosters are unveiled in both leagues, the WFA and the WNFC. We'll dive into the rosters in terms of the key players, key acquisitions, in terms of what the matchups are going to look like for the WNFC uh in terms of the, you know, April 1st matchups coming up here in about 3 weeks. Then April 22nd is when the WFA kicks off, so between now and then, we'll be talking pretty much Women's Football Alliance and the uh, Women's National Football Conference uh, information on that. All right. Uh, on top of that, you can follow us on Twitter. That's where we're at, uh, Twitter, at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter. Get the link right there in our promo uh, bio, as well as dive into the XFL on Twitter. So we're uh, kind of working with a lot of the XFL accounts on Twitter. A lot of them follow us now, so I appreciate those um uh, XFL accounts following us on Twitter as well, and we appreciate that. So stay up to date uh, on everything that's happening in the women's game uh, on Twitter, at Gridiron Beauty, and also uh, anything that's happening in the XFL. Exciting season. Uh, you can subscribe to our uh, podcast on any platform, over 400 episodes. Uh, you can do it on Sprecher by uh, iHeart. You can do it on uh, Apple, Apple Podcasts also Google Cast, and as well as Spotify. So check it out. Uh, give us some uh, nice reviews, especially if you're inclined with all the good stuff uh, in the past episodes, Holly Custis, the uh, Saltua McKenzie Brooks, Nate Ward, Terry Lister, uh, Mark Simone, myself. So if you like the content, give us a, a nice, cool five-star review. Helps us out a lot in terms of the algorithms to bring attention to uh, everybody that women, do, women tackle football uh, does exist, and there's athletes that play it at a high level not just the NFL. So check it out. Go ahead and subscribe or download some of our episodes, over 400 episodes. So 436, great episode. If you missed it, the last uh, episode, we had uh, Coach uh, Chanel Soho uh, Tillman Brooks, and she was talking about the Houston Mambas. And they're going to be taking on that uh, the champs, the Texas Elite Spartans. They're also going to take it on the Denver Bandits. On top of the Denver Bandits, we did have The uh, best, probably the shocker of shockers, which is Grace Cooper, uh, no longer a Minnesota Vixen and now a Denver Bandit. So we'll see how the Denver Bandits fare in the WNFC with the addition of Grace Cooper. So don't forget to check out that podcast, 436. And I'd like to thank Grace Cooper and Coach Soho for giving us the most downloads of any podcast in our 10 years. Uh, Over 250 downloads last week. Just alone on iHeart, so I'm pretty sure there was a lot more downloads in terms of uh, pa- uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But thank you to Coach Soho if you're listening to us, uh, Grace Cooper as well. Uh, over 200 downloads on our Sprecher by iHeart, and uh, also to the Facebook groups that we shared our podcast with. That obviously we're listening to our uh, episode, so appreciate everybody uh, bringing attention to the sport, uh, helping us out with our branding, and also giving us everything that's going on. Uh, so. Just help us out. Thank you very much for bringing attention to women's tackle football. So we're going to dive into the XFL. Uh, three, three major takeaways from uh, this week, X, uh, XFL Week 3. And just some exciting, some exciting things there. Um, <clears throat> we had a walk-off Hail Mary to Josh Gordon. And Josh Gordon, everybody knows from the NFL, uh, kind of like resurfaces here in the XFL due to some issues that he's always had personal issues as well uh, on and off the field it's a wild rivalry between St. Louis and DC. And if you're at the hub, uh, your, your favorite girl, Lois cook uh, from the DC divas uh, and from, you know, TikTok, Uh She was at the uh, Audi field uh, home of the DC defenders and she was there all weekend. So you can catch uh, some of the stuff you can follow at Lois cook out on Facebook, as well as Cleats stilettos on IG. And so she was present and she's, Uh, You know, in in tune with the XFL, uh, and she's also uh, promoting uh, Danny Garcia's uh, clothing line, which you can see there. You can tap it on there and order it as well, and that kind of helps her out as well for fundraising against the Divas and and personally helps her out as well. So uh, St. Louis versus D.C., kind of a key matchup on the East Coast. Uh, There was a ton of action across the board. So we're going to look at – we'll dive into some of the key games that I was talking about uh, key matchups. Um, shout out to uh, Coach uh, Jen Welter, uh, Vegas Vipers. Almost get that win. They kind of started slow the first uh, first week out, second week out. Now it's you know a little a little different. Uh, Seattle kind of uh, rebounds with their offense. I know our own co-host Nate Ward was not the happiest of campers week one and week two, in terms of their play, but you know so uh, the offense I think in Seattle offense is legit. I think it's a, they kind of showed why they improved on that. And if they can get Josh Gordon going with uh, Ben uh, sheet, uh, I think they're going to be great. Um, so, you know, you put up against Vegas uh, one of the good performances, probably in the XFL's history uh, in terms of football. So it was, uh, I believe, 377 yards, uh, 78% completion rate, uh, four touchdowns. So, uh, you know, it was just a great showing by um, Ben Danucci, and uh, you know, quote Gucci Danucci, and that's the uh, new nickname that everybody's given him. Uh, so that was uh, sensational to see. So Seattle, after one uh, week one and week two, kind of like you know, not the hot, not the hottest of starts, they they turn around and throw for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Josh Gordon and Jancor Pearson were unstoppable, recording over 200 yards uh, receiving and two scores. Uh, June Jones, really, really good uh, in, in terms of getting this team turned around. If you're on Twitter, uh, you, can follow, uh, our guy you can follow our guy at JamesLarsonPFN. You can follow our guy at PFN. So shout out to James for doing a great job in terms of game days, following the XFL every game day. So we, we've been retweeting a lot of uh, James Larson stuff, and he does a really good job on game days. So shout out to him. Uh, you can also follow uh, hashtag Xf, uh, XFL. Uh, or hashtag XFL2023, and you can see uh, James Larson's stuff right there. We're hoping to get James on here uh, in a couple weeks so we can kind of dive into the uh, XFL and get his take on all that. So we'll we'll look forward to that. On top of that, Morgan Elson uh, might be the best back in the league. He's gotten better each week and posted over 100 yards in the XFL against Vegas. Uh, he did have an injury, uh, so hopefully he'll get back here uh, the uh, the sea dragons uh they produced offensively they weren't doing that really well in the first within the first two weeks or so, but now I think you have a gelling mode with uh Danucci and Gordon really setting the tone for what this offense can be um and their defense didn't have doesn't you know doesn't have to be outstanding but just as good and good enough for the offense to win so uh you you're looking at uh you know a Seattle revived offense I think to Nate's point. When we discussed uh, XFL before, Nate's point you know, on our, uh, our group board that these guys were, were not consistent. They weren't having the chemistry and building up. So three weeks into the, into the season, I think this is the preseason mentality of some teams in terms of the XFL. I don't know about the Orlando Guardians as an example, but they even started to show some things this week as well. So it looks like the XFL actual in-game play from a couple teams that were not up to par in terms of competition, uh, you know we're, we're used to seeing St. Louis, uh, Houston, everybody else somewhat at that higher level, and all of a sudden now these teams are coming up uh, with more with more competition, more game day, more more play. We're looking at some of the teams that are going to actually uh, elevate their game up. So the Vipers are striking out. Uh, it's probably the worst situation the XFL has put on display. Because Vegas, per se, everybody thought they were going to play at the Raiders Stadium, um, and it did not happen. They're playing at a baseball makeshift stadium, and the grass was painted green because it was so brown. So there's just a lot of things that are, you know, it's a drawback for Las Vegas. I think they only only put in, what, 6,000 fans in the stands, while everybody else is averaging roughly 10,000 fans, 11,000. Uh, I've seen at least uh, in the other in the other markets. So uh, Rod Woodson's Vipers have started the season 0-3, not what they wanted. Uh, Jen Walter, part of that team as well. I don't think that's what she was expecting. It's because this team has uh, hasn't been able uh, unable to execute when it matters the most. Uh, so Seattle's uh, backs up against the wall, fourth and two. Vegas defensive allowed one of the most uh, you know bad touchdowns you've ever seen. Josh Gordon catches what should have been an interception and then makes two defenders look silly as he backpedals into the end zone. So Josh Gordon just looking amazing just because the Vipers did not play play really good man-to-man on that. While his team is stacked with talent, they just haven't put it together. Um, So Brett Huntley didn't play quite well as a starter, making an impact. He's also led the team in rushing with 66, besides a couple of decent runs from Rod Smith. Uh, The ground game has been lacking, to say the least. Uh, Jeff Battick. Is, is doing Jeff batted things, but it isn't enough for the Vipers at this point. So, the Vipers have a lot to figure out if they want to still be competitive in the North. With just seven weeks left, they have to get to work very quickly. And it is a market that we all expected, um, you know, with Woodson, the the fanfare, everything that was happening. But I, I don't think I don't think Vegas is invested in the Vipers. I don't know that that's you know. It's early, but at the same time, that's what it feels like. If you're only getting 6,000 fans out to the, to the game, that means nobody's really interested in the XFL in Vegas. Maybe that is a market that should not have been considered. Most people that I've been you know, going back and forth with uh, XFL on Twitter, most people just thought that since San Diego didn't have a team, they got shafted by the NFL, that uh, the AAF left San Diego alone they have a brand new stadium in San Diego. Uh, most people wanted to assume that the XFL would have, instead of Vegas, that would have gone to San Diego. It's starting to look like this team. If there is an XFL season in 2024, maybe this team will have to be forced to go to San Diego. Attendance wise, will will dictate that. The losses will dictate that. I don't know if they can afford uh, to go like 0 and six and 0 and seven and expect them to. Expect them to, uh, you know, survive in that market, especially with just uh, an average of about six thousand fans in the stands. I mean, we, any any team in the WNFC and WFA would love to have six thousand fans in the stands. I mean, the Vipers, uh, you know, should be you know bringing in maybe eleven thousand fans or more, but it's not happening. And I think the, the the market in Vegas is just so so many distractions. There's a lot of a lot of things going on in Vegas. You got NHL now. You got the WNBA um you got basically just a lot of other things going on so it's very distracting and the XFL it's not a, it's not a matter it's a spring football nobody wants to watch football in the spring in Vegas it's just not happening most people are dived into the NHL right now with the playoffs um and then you're obviously diving into the WNBA within the season so uh something the XFL is going to have to consi- reconsider about maybe they shift this team uh, to San Diego, and I'm pretty sure San Diego's going to be very hungry to get a team, and they would be supportive of it. I'm pretty sure they can pack like 25,000. They do that for their uh, they do that for their women's soccer team. They also do that for some of the men's soccer team and some of the other sports as well, rugby and lacrosse. So there's opportunity for for them to uh, you know just shift over. Um, it's year one, so maybe I'm jumping the gun, but I don't think that's the case at this point. And so uh, just a situation where. You know, maybe they're going to shift this team. Uh, maybe they're going to shift this team. Unfortunately, back out to uh, San Diego, and I'm thinking that's that might be the case, and that would be more beneficial for that. But currently, as it stands right now, they're 0-3. That's not a really good sign for them. And unfortunately, they 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 get a big they get a loss here against Seattle, who look very impressive with Josh Gordon. All right, so let's move on to Fenders against the St. Louis Battlehawks. This is a, a battle uh, that was. Uh, Pre-hyped, uh, really good matchup. I'm looking forward to the, you know, the clash here. You had Like I said, you had Lois Cook at uh, Audi Field uh, helping out the DC defenders out there and also, you know, promoting them at there. And she's part of the XFL right now involved with them, which is a great job for her. She's also being involved, I believe, is GSTQ, if, the, if the I'm pronouncing right. That's the clothing line that Danny Garcia has, and she's obviously promoting that clothing line as well. So you can follow at Lois Cook on Facebook uh, and I believe on uh, tw- uh, Twitter Lois Cook eighteen, and then you can also follow her on IG at Clayton Stiletto, uh, also on TikTok at uh, Clayton Stiletto as well. So uh, big time on TikTok for sure. So you can follow her there. So the Defenders have sole possession of the North Division, which has got to feel really good for them um, after this weekend. Jordan Tamu uh, now uh, pretty much. Uh, when he started, uh, they started, uh, what, uh, last weekend or whatever. So now it's like Tuma proved everyone wrong, put it on an absolute show uh, in D.C. His ability to push the ball down the field was something we've been waiting for all year long. Uh, Time throwing the football well meant that the ground game didn't have to carry the entire weight of the offense. Jackson and Blair both were amazing, putting in quality minutes, uh, Barlow's, uh, Barlow's squad. Uh, DC defense did an excellent job of recovering in the fourth quarter, after St. Louis had rocked them for almost the entire game. The defenders defended when they needed most. Of course, having such an incredible fan base and beer snake energy behind them is beneficial. And kind of weird, they had the beer, uh, the beer uh, snake rule that was actually officially uh, dictated by Danny Garcia. <laughs> Uh, in terms of what the rules were and whether you get kicked out or not. So, uh, I don't know. It was just crazy. But, uh, you know, Michael Joseph, ridiculous. He he picks off uh, A.J. McCarron and takes it to the house, and that put up a uh, DC 14-0. Uh, so, three interceptions on the season for him, returning two for a score. So, an absolute ball hawk this guy is, uh, Michael Michael Joseph. So, that was really good to see. Uh, it's Pretty much an, all, an XFL star. Uh, at this point, we're only three weeks into the season, and he's picked uh, six, uh, Pick six gave uh, DC a solid cushion, and he continued to make up big plays throughout the game. Uh, you yeah, had da- Davin Bellany also made an impact, forcing clutch fumbles and sacking McCarron on the final play. Uh, Reggie Barlow uh, and his defenders, looking like the team to beat in the XFL. They uh, feature plenty of talent across the board and are poised to make a deep run in the playoffs. St. Louis still looks still look pretty solid, but they get edged here uh, after having a great weekend the week before. So 34-28, um, you're looking at, uh, you know, St. Louis played a great game against D.C., but simply put, they didn't execute as often as the uh, defenders did. That's why they get edged for that score. Uh, McCarron was on point, throwing for four touchdowns. If you're playing on price picks as I was, you're a happy camper. You know, $5 into 125, that's, that was really good. Good good weekend if you're playing on price picks out there, so we're not promoting price picks at this point because they don't pay us, but uh, if you are playing, uh, you know, the props market, which I do, uh, you can make some quick money really, really really easily. So his decision making has improved week to week, and he will continue to be a staple for Anthony Beck's offense. It's a first loss for Coach Beck's um, team here. So uh, just put the, 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 uh, the, the Battlehawks uh, into a, a first loss of the season, so just great to see uh, Brian Hill back on the field after missing last week with the hamstring. He played impressively well despite dealing with the pain. You had um, wide receiver Butler was unreal, putting on a show for his squad. Offensively, it was a solid day for St. Louis. Defensively, this team may have, have to adjust. They were decent through the first two weeks, but got run over by Tamu and the defenders. Uh, so they got some uh, adjustments to make here. So uh, St. St. Louis gets uh, gets beat for the uh, for the year. So, 0-1 against DC. This is going to be a rivalry matchup for sure. This is the, this is this is probably one of the better matchups that we've seen so far, besides Houston and Arlington at this point. But that's that's where we're at right now. And speaking of Arlington, 10-9 against Orlando. Orlando looked really bad, like last week when the coach threw everybody under the bus. Uh, Orlando looked horrible, and now uh, even I believe the quarterback was on social media, I guess giving out their playbook,
0: <laughs> which is
1: i don't know what's going on in this world anyways, giving out the playbook information to the you know to the opposing team, which is not a good thing um so but uh they played really well this week uh either that or the renegades really played really uh, low low ball because it was ten to nine that was the score the lowest score so far in the xFL season since its return, so Arlington got off. Uh, got got by the worst team in the league by the Skinner. Their team, uh, they're two and one, and Stoops shouldn't be enthusiastic about how his offense played. Of course, you know you only put up ten points. Uh, that's not a good thing. So the good news is the, the the defense is legit. Arlington continues to force turnovers, especially in crucial and clutch moments. Uh, Donald Payne has been a beast. No surprise. Darnell Sankey stepped up to the to the task, and uh, Will Hill was all over the place. Uh, Jay Hayes' defensive has been spectacular and keeping Arlington in the mix. So, um, you know, Payne Train comes up with the fumble, and uh, there you go uh, on a saving tackling touchdown. And you can catch it, like I said, on Twitter. You can follow up uh, on Twitter, James Larson as well. That's what we follow. Uh, Scout Slaughter uh, Slaughter got his first crack at it and was serviceable, something that just seems off in the superstition at the moment. So it's, you know, one week in for him, so hopefully he'll improve as he gets more uh, reps. Neither quarterback has had success pushing the ball down the field. This, was, this has to change if the Renegades want to compete against uh, the better uh, teams like D.C. and St. Louis. Uh, Devon Smith and Kenneth Farrell both struggled to run the ball effectively while the quarterbacks have been over, uh, underwhelming. Uh, so the ground attack on there. So uh, the Orlando uh, Guardians Part 3 uh, it's just it's, it's just been a horrible situation. So it's crazy that the Guardians played their best game of the season and only scored nine points, a okay, season low. It was not an ideal fourth quarter for the team, who gave up a go-ahead touchdown, and after keeping slaughter contained most of the game. So defensively, the Guardians have improved enough to sh- to showcase that they're uh, respectable. Offensively, they still got a lot of things to do, and p- especially internally with all that crapshoot with the playbook g- being given out to the opponents. So across the board, the Guardians have been a disaster. <laughs> um, Paxton Lynch isn't the greatest quarterback around, but he's playing better than what he's gotten credit for. The offensive line has been horrible for most of the season for three, through three weeks. Even though they, they played better on Sunday, it still wasn't near the level of play that is expected, obviously, of a pro team. And so, interestingly enough, the game was non nonexistent. Uh, so you had uh, John May and martin solid, but only posted nine yards against Arlington. Terrell Buckley has not been able to get his offense into a consistent group. And so he was not a happy guy for the first two weeks. And this game was a way better than it when it was on a defensive uh, note, but it's still a lot of work to do here. I don't know what's going on what's happening there. So, I mean, the team does have some of the best offensive players and defensive players in the entire league in terms of a roster. If you look at the roster, they shut down the Renegades for almost the entire game. Apart from the top-down, things have been run efficiently since day one. Uh, They're not, you know, they haven't done really well. Uh, Quentin Dormandy, uh, the drama, like I just talked about with the quarterback, doesn't help either. If this team uh, has any chance of turning the season around, it starts with the coach, and I don't know if that's going to happen for them at at this point. So um, we'll see how Orlando fares, but Orlando seems to be the crapshoot of the XFL, to put it nicely. Um, Besides Vegas, who did show some improvement, I think they're just in a poor market. They're just bad market. Uh, Orlando market really good market. It's just unfortunately it uh, just didn't happen. So, you know, I don't know if, you know, anybody near the Orlando area in terms of the, the WFA, for example, uh, wants to hang out at the Guardians game, especially with the way the team is performing right now. But it, it probably could be good marketing to go out there and let them know that the, you know, the Orlando Anarchies probably playing will end up playing better ball than uh, the Orlando Guardians of the XFL, um, so uh, um, maybe that maybe that they'll give them some props there at that at that point. Uh, Houston Roughnecks 22, San Antonio Brahmas 13. H uh, Town is looking dangerous. The Roughnecks dominate most of the most of the night, taking uh, San Antonio by the reins and reeling them in. So. The Roughnecks, in terms of the history of the XFL, have been a legit team. They've been, like, almost at a pro-NFL level kind of squad, probably way better than the Texans will ever be. Um, but, you know, this is the team to beat. Uh, Brandon Silvers has been on fire in uh, A.J. Smith's offense. He threw for 278 yards, three touchdowns against San Antonio, dicing up high and towards defense time and time again. Uh, Matt, Moore, Matt Borgi continues to be one of the – XFL's best stories, posting 70, 74 yards on just 15 carries. That was one of the props that I took, just so we're speaking props. But, yes, very good. Borgie, always on money, as they would say in the props game. So, really good there. Uh, John Trey Kirkland, uh, taking over the XFL 2023, already with two touchdowns on the and a highlight reel catch for the Aegis. So, you can catch it right there, like I said, at Twitter, at JamesLarsonPFN. You can get the video right there. You can watch it on Twitter. And so, uh, really, really good matchup there. It was 8-7 through the first, through the second quarter, I believe. And you get to catch that right there. So, John Trey Kirkland, shining in Houston. This, is off, this is, offense is dynamic, uh, and it's because of playmakers like Kirkland who are constantly making an impact. Silvers is, is surrounded by so many weapons, it makes him look really, really good. And he's consistently able to find receivers in stride. So, Houston, the Roughnecks, probably the best team in the XFL. In terms of a quality like NFL-like team, this is the team that everybody's going to be watching. Uh, it's a franchise. Too bad that this, is not, this team is not playing in the, in the NFL, as they say at this point. So, but uh, you know, how about them roughnecks defense? They had a ridiculous goal line stands, which essentially won them the game. Uh, Gene Harris had one of the craziest interceptions you'll ever see. And Houston uh, is undefeated. So this team is ready to, to do damage uh, in the XFL. Uh, in terms of the Brahma uh, in San Antonio, just inconsistencies. Even in the first week against uh, Santa, uh, San, St. Louis, they just couldn't they couldn't put it together. They had St. Louis come back on that comeback win, and they just couldn't hold him. And they just were able to not muster that effort. So, uh, you know, they did start pretty hot on uh, Jack Cohen uh, to uh, T.J. Vassar for the score. And that put up uh, San Antonio uh, 7-0. to in, early, in the early game in terms of the first quarter. But uh, Cohen's stat line last week, almost 200 yards and three touchdowns. This week, 8 for 20 with only 64 yards. So that tells you a lot about the Houston defense. The Brahmins had no juice whatsoever against Houston, Outman for the entire game. Uh, and that right there was not a good sign for them. Cohen's a great quarterback. Houston simply had his number all night. Also, the fact that he threw only 20 passes shows that this team didn't have possession of the ball enough times. The Brahmas were lackluster throughout the large portion of the match, as Hines was, was increasingly frustrated with each failed drive. And that was, I mean, the comeback against St. Louis. I mean, the the allowable comeback for St. Louis kind of tells a story of what San Antonio is all about. I mean, they, they they're playing a two they're a two quarter team, and then somehow they falter in the last two quarters. So uh, Houston racked up 374 yards of offense. The San Antonio's only 162. As the season continues, San Antonio has to execute on a more consistent basis. And um, Ward was out coached by Wade Phillips on Sunday, as it was quite evident who the better team was, and that would be Houston and the Houston Roughnecks at this point. So overall, Week Three was the best fo- so far in uh, the XFL. And like I said, you can you can go on Twitter at Green and Beauty. You can follow all the XFL. Um, Accounts that we follow there, pretty exciting. Thank you. Uh, thanks for everybody bringing us up to over 900, uh, I believe 900 over 900 on Twitter. So I really appreciate all the XFL fans supporting us. And uh, there, uh, a lot of fans are kind of uh, kind of like surprised at what we do in terms of the Twitter Twitter scheme of things, and then they're shocked that there's actual female athletes playing high-level football. And so that's the best thing for us anyways, uh, when they start to realize that there is a WFA team in their area, that there is a WNFC team in their market. Um, so some of the some of the uh, accounts that we follow for the XFL, uh, you know, shout out to all, all the XFL accounts. Um, they are obviously enlightened uh, high-level women's tackle football being played in the United States, which they weren't aware of because, you know, they're sort of diving into the men's sports side of all these leagues. That they don't uh, consider that, obviously, there's women playing tackle football as well. So uh, shout out to the XFL uh, members and everybody else uh, for, you know, following us as well and bu- bumping us over, over 900 on Twitter. So we're tr- uh, we were treated to four very competitive matchups. Not a good glimpse into which teams are the real deal and which franchises have a lot uh, left to do. Uh, week four of the XFL will be upon us uh, before we know it. Today is uh, Tuesday shout out to everybody Women's History Month uh, starts this week and we're gonna have a lot of guests in the last in the next three uh, episodes we'll have a lot of interesting and important females that are driving our sport to a, a higher focus in terms of uh, sponsorships in terms of marketing and everything else. so don't forget to uh, join us every episode. So we, as you are, going to be made aware of some of the amazing talented women that are in our sport, and they're driving our sport to another level of awareness. And then tomorrow is going to be uh, International Women's Day. Uh, shout out to uh, Christy Moran if you're on the uh, at the hub at facebookcom forward slash Beauties, You get to see that uh, Great of uh, Queensland spot, spotlighting her. Uh, obviously, it's Australia. It's already it's already International Women's Day as we speak today in Australia. So shout out to the Aussies. And so shout-out to Gridiron Queensland. Uh, They're going to have a matchup matchup against New South Wales, so you get the information right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. All right, so uh, what what did you guys think of the games? If you guys are watching uh, the XFL, uh, you guys can uh, comment on our post on our Facebook at the hub, right underneath all the um, links and articles that we have there. Uh, Give us some insights into uh, which team do you think is going to make it to the playoffs, which team is the better teams there and which XFL players and teams impressed you the most so far through three weeks. Uh, let us know in the comments uh, in terms uh, at the hub and join the conversation and then tell us a little bit about what you think about the return of the XFL and what's going to happen there. Uh, I wanted to go over some of the the rule the rules because a lot of people were, uh, were uh, messaging me and they're like, hey, what's up with the rules you were talking about? Uh, last weekend, on uh, terms of the podcast and uh, the rule book, and how it's different from the NFL and college football, and what and, you know, what what's the difference? So, uh, as an example, uh, week one of the, uh, of the of the season, of uh, you know, it was basically the rule book, and 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 you saw what San Antonio, the comeback by St. Louis in San Antonio is an example. So you know, try to recognize what's happening. So. Um, interesting is, you know, in terms of the rule book. So we go to the rule book. So some of the no- most notable interesting change is that the league is offering coaches a chance to challenge. Um, so one, one time per game, any possible play, including judgment penalties like pass interference and holding, which you don't do in the NFL. So that's in, that's in, in itself is very interesting. Uh, so that has never been done before at any level of football and something we have uh, talked about during my time with the NFL. That was Blandino who is the uh, head of referees. and uh, So he's really excited and intrigued to see how they're going to use that in terms of the in-game play. Uh, The other thing was, like it's a pre-pandemic, extra points are back for the 2023 season. So teams who score touchdowns will have the option to go for one point, a single down from the two-yard line, two points from the five-yard line, or three points from the 10-yard line. So extra point kicks are not part of the XFL rulebook, which is interesting. Defenses who convert turnovers and return them for touchdowns during the attempts will be awarded the same amount of points dictated by the starting point of the play. So if, if they start from uh, the 10 yard line, which would have to give you the points, if they, if somehow it's picked off at the 10 yard line, then that score is going to be equal to that, which is great. So, um, Another change that fans may celebrate is that fumbles that occur inside the field of play and exit the end zone will not result in a turnover and a touchback. So once again, another change that fans may celebrate is that fumbles that occur inside the field of play and exit and, and, and exit the end zone will not result in a turnover and a touchback. Uh, given the defending team possession of the ball from its own 20-yard line, unlike the NFL, the team that fumbled the ball will retain possession from the spot of the fumble. So, interesting. It's a rule that comes up every once in a while during the college season. During the pro season, and everybody throws up their arms play-by-play. Tom Hart said uh, Wednesday, quote, social media loses their collective minds. It is the worst rule in football, so they took it out and I think it's absolutely genius, unquote. And I agree with that. I think it's it's a great rule. It's uh, way different than the other rule in the pros. So, kickoffs, and an attempt to encourage more returns on kickoffs, while maintaining player safety, only the kicker and the returner on kickoff plays will be allowed to move until the ball is caught or after the ball has been on the ground for at least three seconds. So, once again, kickoffs while maintaining player safety, only the kicker and returner on kickoff plays will be allowed to move until the ball is caught or after the ball has been on the ground for at least three seconds three seconds. Something maybe uh, the WFA and WNFC want to implement. I think that would be a great rule for women's tackle football. Less injuries as well, and might create a little bit more excitement. And it obviously, you know, similar to the way the kickoff was in the 2020 XFL season. At the start of the kickoff, both teams will be lined up five yards apart. So that's interesting in itself. Um, So the the onside kick, so... uh, With a twist, onside kicks will be available during any part of the game, but teams will have the option in the fourth quarter only. So once again, only in the fourth quarter to convert a 4th and 15 play to retain possession and keep the offense on the field. So you saw it against San Antonio and St. Louis. That was the matchup that this rule was applied with. So if you go back to, I believe it's week one, one is when you saw this rule in, in effect. So um, that was really, really interesting uh, in terms of the rule itself. The, uh, the play already proved to be a success after week one. Yeah, week one. Uh, in the thrilling comeback, St. Louis completed against the uh, Brahmas. Uh, so it was, uh, it was faced with pressure. Uh, that was McCarron. McCarran McCarron, Adrian McCarron with two Austin Prol to convert the first down and allowed St. Louis to, to mount the eventual game-winning touchdown drive. And that was uh, really exciting. All right, catches will be handled in the the catches. This is where the league is adopting a rule from college football. Any player who hauls in a reception will need to maintain possession with only one foot inbounds to complete a successful catch. Once again, one foot inbounds to complete a successful catch. In the NFL, two feet and a possession of the ball are required. And this is where it's kind of ridiculous in the NFL because – Uh, Did he fumble the ball? Did he have retention of the ball? You know, it's just exhausting. So it's great to see that. Unlike college football, however, if a ball carrier slips or falls to the turf without being touched by a defender, the player is able to get up, assuming a defender has not yet contacted the player while he is on the ground, and advance the ball. All right. Overtime. This is perhaps the most significant difference in the XFL rulebook from both the NFL and college football. If a game is tied at the end of regulation, overtime will consist of alternating attempts from the opponent's five-yard line. So there is no, you know, you have to go from end zone to end zone, like in, in the NFL, to win the game, and then you've got one possession, the other team gets another position, and then that possession will turn into the winner if that's the case. So each team will have a single down to reach the end zone to secure two points. After each team has had the opportunity for three such attempts, the winner will be determined based on the team who has the most points. Does that make sense? After each team has had the opportunity for three such attempts, the winner will be determined based on the team who has the most points. So if you put up two points, you counter two points, okay? Or you do three points, then at that point, the winner will be determined based on the team who has the most points, and that's how the game will end. If the game remains tied after those three attempts, then the alternating downs will be repeated sudden-death style until the winner is determined. So pretty fair, I mean, you would think. Don't ever get into that situation if that's the case, and don't ever get yourself in into a situation where you're, you know, you're going to have to be faced with that, uh, obviously, that dilemma to go in there like that. But don't forget to uh, ch- check it out um, if you guys aren't following us on Twitter. But if you go to Twitter, check it out uh check uh check out james larson p f n does a great job he's uh part of the xFL newsroom dot com so uh you know he does a great job there so uh we follow him every week in terms of keeping us up to date and everything else so go check out james larson p f n uh, on his on his uh twitter handle and he's uh, he's done a great job so far with the xFL so we're looking forward to him uh every week especially week four coming up here at this point so we'll see uh what's gonna fare on there um i'm looking forward to who's gonna who's gonna uh take care of um let's see here let me write let me see what the matchups are for week four i know the ratings were such a uh you know in week three everybody's uh the ratings but you know i don't i don't want to go through the rating situation until you you go into like week seven that would make more sense you know uh in terms of week seven and, and and try to try to work that out so uh, let's see. Let me see what week four schedule looks like. And then we'll dive into that right now before we get into the second hour. Uh, a reminder, you guys, if you guys haven't gone to the hub, go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash square beauties. That is the place to be. The best network on the planet. Shout out to the best network on the planet covering the sport of women's tackle football, just like at Fox Sports or an ESPN. We, do a, we work our asses off, just so you know. We work our asses off to give you the best feeds, links, uh, stories, everything else because there's passionate people that really love women's tackle football and want to present it to you in a professional manner. And we want to bring attention to the top two leagues in the world and uh, to the normal masses of people. So in order for us to get to the algorithms, in order for us to get to the next stage of Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and everybody else, you got to help us out. So if you're on TikTok, make sure you're following, you know, the Texas Elite Spartans, the Boston Renegades. Some of the top five teams in each league and let's get let's get the trend going especially on tiktok as well if you're on ig you can follow us at Great Beauty and ig check out uh, miss jackson on our post on the uh, ig post as well you can always check out our at no joke football uh, brand uh, ig and you can always go to the zazzle shop at zazzle.com forward slash Beauties. that is the no joke football shop Get some cool tees under $20. Um, you get nice specials up to 25% off. Uh, if you're inclined, use our code 15% off, 1515% off. Use the code Zazzle Thanks. Get yourself some cool shorts and everything else that we have available there, including uh, other stuff from Zazzle as well, Marvel and DC and some cool stuff out there in terms of uh, Zazzle.com. So check it out. Support the podcast and uh you know help us out with that. So let's see week four schedule four. Here we go. There we go. Week four schedule. Let's see. Wanna go over some of the key matchups before we uh go into the second hour. Uh second hour we're gonna be talking to Coach Terry Lister. We're gonna be talking to the Oracle of Women's Cycle football, football Mark Simone. And we're gonna break down women's football alliance pro national schedule and give our predictions as to who's going to be on top in that uh, division, in that conference. And then we're going to go dive into D2 in terms of the first look, in terms of the key matchups for the uh, WFA D2 schedule as well. All right, so here we go. Uh, Let's uh, get into week four odds. Um, Let's go here. So week four will begin Saturday. Saturday night, Houston Roughnecks against Orlando Guardians. Uh, Sorry, Orlando. (laughs) Uh, I'm assuming they're gonna get whomped. They're gonna get ripped. They're gonna be smashed. Uh, but you, you never know. They were ten to nine against Arlington, so maybe I'm talking out of my butt. So, uh, but I doubt it. I think Houston's gonna be probably the winner here. So we're looking at Houston uh, against Orlando. You will also feature the long-awaited St. Louis BattleHawks, and taking on San Antonio, the revenge game for the San Antonio Brahmas. Uh, so you know, home opener. So at uh, you know at this point, uh, so we'll see a uh, St. Louis uh, home opener and an intriguing Brahma Seattle Dragons clash. So two top, uh, one top offense has just woken up last week with Josh Gordon and uh, Danucci taking on San Antonio, who's been struggling. Uh, and so that'll be that'll be good to go there. So uh, here we go, Orlando. The Roughnecks uh, remain undefeated for both the season and in the franchise history with a 22-13 win against San Antonio on Sunday night. The Guardians turn in their best effort yet o- over three contests, but still struggle on offense and come up short by 10-9. So uh, we have a matchup here, pretty much uh, a disparity between two teams' records and overall body work thus far. It's not surprising to see the Roughnecks as the favorites. Uh, favorites by 8.5 points. So you can tell me right now, that there will be life in the Guardian World, and it's not going to be true, <laughs> not facts. Uh, so you know, Houston's probably going to get the best of them.
0: And
2: then
1: Saturday, in Seattle at Lumen Field, uh, the Brahmas had the misfortune of coming up against the most impressive team in the league thus, thus far in the Roughnecks in Week Three, and although they were mostly competitive, took come up short by 22 to three margin. The Dragons, uh, with a great effort by Josh Gordon and C- and the, the Sea dragons against the Vipers, and I'm reading off this uh, off the betting lines here. Uh, Brahmas quarterback Jack Cohn had his first cleanter of the season for a pair of uh, strong starts. He mis- uh, finished with a mystical 64 yards so although both teams appear to be pretty evenly matched based on the first three weeks, the Dragons are a solid four and a half point favorite uh, as the week starts, so uh, they are a favorite obviously to take care of business. San Antonio has to kind of turn it around. Then on Sunday at the Dome at America Center, we're looking at the Renegades. Didn't see any immediate div- dividends from the switch to Kyle Slaughter at quarterback in week keep, but they had enough to squeeze a 10-9 home win. The Battlehawks nearly pulled off a third consecutive last-minute miracle in as many games before uh, being defeated by the Defenders. So we have a battle of Slaughter versus McCarron. And with a substantial crowd expected for the Battlehawks' home opener and Arlington's offense struggles, St. Louis is up to a four-point home favorite. So I have to agree with the betting lines. I think St. Louis should be able to win at home and really really do well here. Uh, Vipers at the D.C. Defenders. Prayers to Jen Walter and the Vegas Vipers because – they have suffered a third straight disappointment in Week 3. Their 30-26 to 26 loss to the Dragons came in especially heartbreaking fashion thanks to a 65-yard touchdown by Josh Gordon, of course, of the defenders, and their own close outcome. So this is the battle of, of two two teams. Well, Vegas primarily needs this big win. It would be a shocker of shockers for the Vipers to actually beat the defenders. So although the Vipers have proven to be a pretty tough uh out for all three teams they face and have plenty of talent with NFL experience, automakers have made the defenders a comfortable six-point favorite. So that's still respectable. Uh, I mean, they're not going to predict me to get blown out or anything like that, which uh, they've been pretty good. So it's a matter of whether Vegas wants to step up on the road here right, and uh, take care of business in D.C., uh, which uh, the Battlehawks could not do. And so, uh, really interesting matchups coming up here in terms of the XFL. So, you got your uh, betting lines already there at at this point. So, don't forget to tune in Uh, on Twitter, at Iron Beauty. We're going to be, you know, basically retweeting some of the James Larson stuff as well and some of the other XFL accounts that we're following. So, the week four odds uh, are, as we said earlier, uh, week four odds, uh, we got uh, Roughnecks, Uh, at 8.5 points, Uh, Brahmas at the Dragons, and we got the Dragons as a solid 4.5-point favorite, and then the Renegades at the Hawks. We have St. Louis up to to a 4-point home favorite, and then, of course, uh, DC is favored by 6 points, so really interesting matchup. Um, So thanks to uh, everybody that is following us on Twitter. Like I said, pretty exciting uh, following the XFL on Twitter as well. Don't forget to go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. Got some interesting posts there. Uh, can, can the Mississippi Lady Panthers shock the WNFC world April 1st Texas Elite Spartans? So, um, I don't know. Maria Jackson and company. You get Check out Maria Jackson on her, uh, on, on our gallery at Grand Iron Beauties uh, on IG. Uh, so, if you got uh, Rasan Gore, who will be here in a couple weeks here in about a week or two, we will have Rasson Gore here as well. So she's going to be talking how they're going to be able to take care of business in terms of the Texas Elite Spartans. She played on the Texas Elite Spartans. She understands what the mindset is of the uh, multi-time WNFC champions. And can uh, rasson Gore uh, elevate the Mississippi Lady Panthers to a week one uh, shocker of shockers. That would be a moment of moments for not just uh the Mississippi League Panthers, but it will be it would be a moment of shockers for the WNFC and its history taking down the juggernaut Texas League Spartans week 1 in the regular season. So that's a big deal. It's not in the conference playoffs, so it isn't in the final at the Nine Cup. It would be week 1 of the 2023 season, I might be overhyping all this stuff. So you guys let let us know in the comments. Uh, go to Great Honor Beauties on Facebook, and you'll see the post there that we posted. Uh, it was Can these ballers shock the WNFC Week One versus the multi-time champions Texas Elite Spartans? That is Regina Jackson, Rashawn Gore, and the Lady Panthers poised for a nine cup gold. So what do you guys think? Think the Panthers got it in them? They know what the Spartans are all about, but can they do it? Is the question. Can they do it? Uh, interesting question indeed. All right. Uh, the other uh, the other uh, notice was Finland will be uh, following the Finnish league starting in uh, I believe May May the fifth. You got Turku Trojans, um, but a big big news uh, this week was uh, the um, Great uh, Great uh, Great Britain silver medalist. Uh, is going to be joining the Crocodile uh, women's team in uh, Finland. That would be Becky Martin. So linebacker and wide receiver, silver medalist, IFAB World's silver medalist. Uh, Becky Martin will be joining the Crocodiles' nice set. So check it out there. She's signed already, ready to rock and roll for the finish season, and we'll we'll keep tabs on that. Uh, The big shocker of shockers was the announcement yesterday. Um, It's Shell Rubio Sosa of FX Mexico announced that they will be pausing their 2023 season. You can get the full article there. Follow them at uh, FX Football Extremo Femenil. Uh, it has to do with uh, some of the things that are happening in the sport in Mexico with the federation, with the issues of the federation, with the IFAB uh, team that had issues flying to Finland. Uh, LaFi being involved and basically uh, in bed with the federation and that's uh, affecting obviously the other leagues as well, including we've talked to uh, Manuel Seja uh, with Lexfa. So there's a lot of uh, internal uh, things going on in the Mexico uh, realm of women's tackle football. Uh, sometimes we think, you know, WFA WNFC in our world is is just you know a clash of clashes, but in Mexico right now, there is uh, a internal clash on how to get and elevate women's tackle football in the states. I know the WFA is working with Lafay, Lexfa, independent, FX Mexico, also independent. Uh, There's a lot of leagues in Mexico in terms of the full kit, and there's also the uh, bikini football teams or leagues like the WFL uh, as well. So all those leagues combine uh, a lot of talent in Mexico in terms of women playing tackle football. So, uh, we'll uh, we'll see. We're gonna we're gonna try to get Michelle Rubio Sosa here for an interview and and then in April, so she can explain to us some of the issues that she was, she's facing, why she had to pause for the 2023 season and the dealings and issues uh, and the impact that the federation and LaFaye have had, just not on her but uh, how it affected the sport as well. So check out the article there and the explanation from her. I uh, go directly to her site, which is the FX, FXF Football Extremo. You can click it on there, and you can get it right there. So that was heartbreaking because they were the first league that actually launched uh, the women's uh, Mexican bronze winning team in IFAB 2017. And so uh, just a lot of things going on, and that's uh, just sad to see. And they were the pioneers, the first, the first league in Mexico that created uh, the national team, basically, and they put the national team on the map. And so, uh, you know, it's sad to see that she is uh, being stripped away of all the work she's done. And uh, the other, you know, the other leagues and the Federation are just basically just not taking things into account. All right. So you did see Lois Cook. You get to check it out right there at Audi Field. She was there for the uh, Defenders' big uh, victory. Also sporting GSTQ, which is the uh, Danny Garcia line. So you check it out right there. It looks pretty, pretty impressive with the outfit. And so uh, you can check it out there. You can click on GSTQ if you want to get the same outfit that Lois Cook has. Uh, so check it out right there. Also, uh, there was a feature done by, uh, I believe, USA Football, uh, and that was uh, for Women's History Month. And then that featured uh, Vanita Crouch, which is the uh, USA uh, QB, flag, USA flag QB quarterback. And so she's right there also, and she can get featured there. And then we want to mention a cool a thing that was sent to us on IG that we weren't aware of. So uh, shout-out to, you know, Women's women's, uh, uh, History Month, but also, you know, uh, Women's International Women's Day tomorrow. But let's just give a a cool shout-out to WNFC superstar Quanisha Leonard of the Washington Prodigy. And uh, so she's got a nice little book that's coming out, uh, Destined to be Different. Destined to be Different. Check it out right there, coming out, I believe, on April 15th it will be the kindle release. It's really inexpensive, 3 bucks. So you can pre-order the book via Kindle at 2.99. You get the Amazon link right there at our post. So uh, you know, we're we're going to try to get uh, K- uh Leonard here in, in in a couple weeks so she can kind of explain to us the passion behind the book and everything that's happening for that book. But uh, you know, let's uh let's support her and let's see if you guys got 3 bucks to spare and uh get her going there and support her. So 2.99 is the uh fee for the Kindle version. I know we're all on digital. Nobody wants a book copy or hard copy or anything like that, but uh, I'm pretty sure there'll be a hard copy coming soon, but in the meantime, uh if you want to support uh uh Quinicia uh, Leonard, if I'm yeah, Quinicia Leonard of the Washington Prodigy, uh so you can go ahead and uh, go ahead and do the pre-order book via Kindle at 2.99 at the Amazon link right there. So shout out to uh, her and her uh her book, hopefully, will be successful. I haven't read it yet, so I will be pre-ordering it and then uh, kind of give you some feedback on the book as well before we bring her up on on the podcast. So I'm gonna be reaching out to her already to see if she wants to come on and kind of explain to us the whole book and why the reasoning behind it. I know it was inspired by having somebody else, uh, you know, getting her to write it. So that's really awesome. So check it out uh, at the Hub. Check out uh, Quinesia Leonard's uh, book, which is Destined to be Different. All right. And then uh, the bombshell news of all, we had bombshell news before, but uh, it was uh, X-League superstar Michelle Angel now officially on the WNFC champions uh, roster. So she's ready to go. Sporting number seven right there. You can get it. Brand new, brand new garb. And I think she's ready to rock. And who better to back up Brittany Bushman than a former XFL, uh, X-League superstar. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to see what uh, Michelle Angel will do in a full-kit 11-on-11-style play. We know what she's able to do 7-on-7 in arena style. So that's very interesting to see. So we'll find out right there. The other um, shout-out is going to be to uh, Nadia De- DeCour. That was an offensive quality control coach, and she was uh, given the position by the Ottawa Red- Redbacks of the CFL. So the latest news, everything that's happening in the XFL – uh, right there as well, the winners and losers from Week 3 of the XFL. You get to catch it right there as well. So we got everything covered for you, including the CCCF, uh, the CCWFL coming up soon here, including Finland, Sweden, and then uh, the media day wrap-up by the champions, the Texas League Spartans. You get it right there also as well. Uh, so check it out. Go to the hub, facebook.com, forward size Grand beauties. That is the place to be. So you get the lowdown on everything that's happening, including Spain. And in Spain you get the recap right there the Federación uh, Española de Fútbol Americano Femenina uh Rookies and Black Demons secure the pass to the playoffs and Osas complicates the season by losing to Valquidius. So shout out to uh adersonhawks.com for their uh great recaps week to week and keep us informed on what's happening in the sport in Spain on women's tackle football as well. All right. So let's uh dive into the next stage which is the WFA WFA uh, Women's Football Alliance. We're going to dive into the pro national scene, give us our, give our predictions. Then we're going to dive into D2 first look in terms of the schedule. So who better to do that with than the Oracle of Women's Taco Football, Mark Simone, and uh, Coach Terry Lister in the house here. Let's do it. Hey, guys. How's it going?
0: Hey there. How, How you doing?
1: doing? We're doing good so uh i tried to I tried to go an hour. I think I did pretty well for a strong hour <laughs>
0: you did exactly an hour
1: well done, well done, well done, you got it right you the i I think I yep. put three points and it went a little wide, but we're good.
0: <laughs> we got there
1: uh so yeah so uh you know unfortunately, Connie couldn't make it uh she had some uh a health concern as well, and then holly uh taking care of her mom as well so so just us and we got we got to hold down the fort right until they get back and i don't sure. believe Mac's is going to be uh, with us today either um so but it's just going to be the boys finish up the uh the hour so i'm pretty sure we're up to task at this point so not a big deal all right uh mark and terry uh we got to we got a chance last week to kind of dive into grace cooper coach uh, soho uh really cool um stats over 200 downloads you guys there was 200 people down uh, listening to us last week, which is our most that we've ever had on the podcast, which
2: is really awesome. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. That's great. That's great to hear.
0: Yeah, I 200 downloads. You.
1: Just on iHeart alone, guys. I don't even know what the stats is for Spotify or, or I Apple and things like that. So, but that's a good wow. sign. So uh, Sprecher is good. So thank you to all the fans, right? Thanks to everybody listening, sharing posting uh trying to get the word out for what we do every week and uh, kind of spotlight women's tackle football so it's pretty cool all right Uh thanks to grace cooper right and coach soho uh we could not get coach soho you know to uh hype up the wnfc matchup against the spartans they were she's like okay we'll just we'll arrive and we'll figure out what we're going to do and take care of it right <laughs> so we'll hopefully hopefully you know shockers of shockers um I posted. I I just said it before you guys came on. I posted a little teaser up there. Sean Gore's in Mississippi. Regina, uh, Regina Jackson's, in, you know, obviously hyped up. And so, uh, can the Mississippi Lady Panthers uh, take down the the uh, champs, Mark? Week one.
2: Well, it's obviously a very tall order um, to take down the champs, but you know, at, at least you you might have the element of surprise. You know, yeah. if in the off season you've prepared um, and you're ready to go on that that first week, you know every every season is a new season. They haven't seen you yet. They haven't seen the new yeah. Mississippi <laughs> Panthers. So there's always mm-hmm. a chance. Terry,
1: you're you're a coach. New year, new team. Uh, Mississippi's brought in some of the Alabama players, Rashawn Gore, who knows pretty much back and forth with Texas is all about. Would it be a shocker if, if Texas goes down week one against Mississippi?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That'd be an understatement. I mean, the, um, you know, the, the harsh reality of women's football in the in the U S right now is just that, you know, Boston is the best team in the WFA and Texas League is the best team in the WRC. Um, with that being said, it doesn't mean that they, they are unbeatable doesn't mean that that will always be the case. It just has been the case up until now. And so, with that being said, anybody can be anybody on any given Saturday. But, like Mark said, it's a tall order. Easier said than done. Um, Mississippi's acquired some pretty big names in the sport, in my opinion, in the offseason. And so, like Mark said, um, just because Texas has played Mississippi before doesn't mean they played this Mississippi and so whether it be new players, specifically players used to play for Texas, new coaches, um, et cetera, et cetera, that's all going to give you a different look um, once you actually play them. And so I'm hoping for the best. I mean, I, as WNFC's, WNFC teams get better, um, I, I love to see that. I love to see, like, the, the rosters getting bigger, big names, you know, transferring WNFC teams just makes the whole, whole league better and more competitive. So I can't wait, man. Like I said, those three matchups, Texas versus Mississippi – Us versus Houston and Utah versus San Diego in week one are a must-see TV, in my opinion.
1: Now, Mark, uh, you know what your uh, Renegades are all about. Uh,
0: We know what the Renegades are
1: all about on TikTok, too, because they've been doing a wonderful job on TikTok. So go follow Boston Renegades on TikTok. But, um, you know, this is a new new year, new season. They don't take anybody lightly, as uh, Adrian Smith has told us before, right? They don't take anybody lightly they 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 scope everybody out the same as anybody else um so let's let's go into the pro mentality we're going to give our predictions uh you know and figure out you know where we land at the end of the year whether we're really good or we're really horrible at it you know in that sense um but <laughs> so let's let's you know let's let's dive in right cuz i mean they do it on NFL network why don't we do it here right right and then then we <laughs> get criticized Right. Let's just yeah. let's just see what it is. We'll, it we'll we'll, we'll eat our crow if if we're way off base. But uh, and I'm pretty sure they'll you know they'll call us out, right? The teams will call us out. The players will call us out. And they'll probably call us crazy too. Some, at some point with some teams. <laughs> um, but overall, you know, just for fun because we want to keep it lively and in good spirit. Uh, I would say uh, Mark uh, and then Terry, you can jump in too if you want. I would say uh, given the circumstances as we present ourselves here this year uh, I would say you would have to just uh, uh, Boston untouchable right now as it stands right now I would say they are the favorite to uh to win pro national or or finish first in pro national
2: I, I definitely agree and you know I think what Terry said just earlier you know that you know Boston is the best in the WFA. That's just the, the way it is right now, and that's because that's been, you know, for the recent history. And they look very much like the favorite going into 2023. Um, and you know, what can we say? I mean, you said it. We know what they're they're all about. They they don't take their opponents lightly. Uh, they practice hard, and they consider themselves their their toughest competition in practice and they definitely practice that way so you know teams have their work cut out for them in in, in facing boston um i agree with you uh, it certainly look like the favorite for the national conference of wfa pro and you know i think the bigger questions are you know what is the pecking order you know, behind them, and and who can who can give them, you know, uh, give them a run, give them some competition. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The debate. Terry. The, the debate starts. Terry. They, two. they
1: don't. Yeah, <laughs> Terry. Uh, they didn't. They didn't like sway from anybody. They didn't play no D two team. They're playing all pro teams. Detroit. Yeah. Decent Divas. Inferno. Uh, Passion. <clears throat> right. So they didn't sway mm-hmm. anybody. That's why I'm saying it's like they, they, they are, you know, they're not, they're not like swaying from anybody. You know, you see the schedules, right? You see on the schedules where, okay, one week you're playing your own level competition and then the next week you're downgrading to D2 or D3 competition and all of a sudden – no, they have they, – you know, they got rivalries. but Basically, the Boston schedule is a dogfight. If they run the table, it will be impressive against, against D.C. twice, against Pittsburgh twice, Detroit, Tampa – uh, pretty impressive in terms of the, if they run the table.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's no secret that Boston um, does not shy away from competition. So they don't mind playing a schedule that's mostly you know pro teams, and um, that's very admirable. You know, I mean not everybody can say that. Um, it's it's somewhat geographical, you know what I mean. So have to be re- realistic yeah. about who's close by. Um, but also, you know, they have a tough schedule every year, and they always come out on top. So that's not easy to do. It's, it's one of the hardest things to do in in football, in my opinion, is have sustained excellence, right? So it's it's one thing to have a great season, um, but to do that, you know, year after year after year is much harder. And Boston's been able to do that. And so, um, I the one thing that comes to mind is you guys remember a few years ago when they put out the schedule for WFA, and one of the matchups was. Boston versus St. Louis Slam, and this is when St. Louis Slam was pretty dominant. Um, mm-hmm. I could not wait for that game to happen. Like I, I literally thought about like flying to St. Louis to watch it in person. But um, unfortunately, that's that's the year that didn't happen because of COVID. And then um, it was never it never happened um, after that. So it's just like one of those things. Like you want to see the best teams play each other. That's wh- that's why I flew to Chicago to watch Chicago play Boston. Chicago still had a team. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, not many teams really can give Boston, you know, a run for their money. And so, hopefully, it's different this year. You know, hopefully, Pittsburgh or you know, DC or Tampa Bay or somebody can step up to the plate. But um, you know, saying it and doing it is two different things. So, until yeah. further notice, Boston's on top.
2: So, Mark, I, uh, I have let's two. Do our uh, predict- Go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, I want to just underscore your sentiment, uh, Terry, about you know, the regionality of the schedule. And I I think if you look across the entire um, WFA Pro schedule, it is Mm -hmm. really kind of highly regionalized Mm -hmm. um, without a lot of long travel for most teams. And over the past couple of years, there have been, you know, there have been a few um, good matchups, um, uh, cross-division, cross-conference matchups. Um so I mean my my hope for WFA Pro is that um you know if their strategy of getting uh you know bigger travel allowances from from sponsorships can can allow more sort of cross country travel we'll see those kind of matchups that you're craving and that I'm yeah. craving and that I know the fans are craving. Everybody's, yeah, you know, everybody's craving. You know, we would we'd love to see, you know, Boston, St. Louis, uh, you know, in the regular season. You know, DC. I'd love to see DC Cali, you know, at some point or, or Pittsburgh Cali, you know, Pittsburgh okay. Denver. Yeah. I, w- I would love to see those matchups during the regular mm-hmm. season. Um, yeah. So keeping my fingers crossed for that. Well, we can call Dwayne Johnson and see
1: if he wants to buy. The WFA, so. make the call I think I should make the call I'm going to get with James I'm going to get with James Larson and see if he's got connections with the XFL and see if maybe he can get up in the door uh, shout out to James Larson doing a great job covering the XFL So, on Twitter um, alright Mark let's make the predictions you're the homer uh, I know you're going to just say they're running the table and we're good to go so uh, let's me and Terry make the prediction here so, uh, Gary, yeah sure. I think they run the table, and they're ready to go.
0: Well, I think Boston – we're unanimous with Boston being the top team in in um, pro-national. Yeah. Look at their schedule right now. D.C., Detroit, Pittsburgh, um, D.C. again, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh. Yeah, so, I mean, my prediction is they run the table. Um, like I said, I hope they're one of those teams, uh, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh – D- dc can give them a run for their money um but the only team i don't i don't foresee it being competitive with is detroit um no offense to uh my friends on detroit venom but i i don't see that being a competitive game um but the other other games i do well at least i hope you know what i mean and so we'll see but yeah i, I agree with you guys i think they're gonna looks like you run the table and probably win the D- WFA pro championship again until somebody else proves me proves me wrong
1: uh, Mark, let's go to Pittsburgh. Uh, they played pretty tough against uh, Boston last year, very competitive, coming back, uh, you know, really strong. Uh, we have the you know, Franco Harris uh, type of, you know, emotional stay here. So Pittsburgh, right off the blocks, they get DMV, which is DC. DC also, uh, you know, has had some issues in the last couple of years with the D. Scott injury, some, some issues at like quarterback with injuries, um, just not the same team that we are used to seeing, you know, in seasons past, uh, but Pittsburgh did show us that they might be able to be second rate now in that Pro Division versus DC. Uh, so, what, what do we say of Pittsburgh here? They get D, they get Divas right off the block, then they get Inferno, uh, then obviously Week Three they get Boston, then they're going to get the Detroit, uh, they get Divas again, and then they get Boston. So, uh, let's see here, what's what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six. So what do we say 5 and 2 or something like that? Yeah, or what are they going to run? 4 and 2 would be What's 4 and the 2 in here. I,
2: yeah. 4 and 2. I, I think definitely expects to uh, you know to win all their games um with the exception of perhaps Boston. I mean no one no one says oh well we're not going to beat Boston. But I, I <laughs> think I think they're thinking if they finish less than four and two that they have taken a step backwards. And this is Mm -hmm. where Pittsburgh is at. They want to build on the success that they had last year, right? Um, It was -hmm. their first year back from COVID. They came back a year later than like most of of the other teams um, and taking 2021 off as well. Um, And, you know, they had a rookie quarterback who performed well, Uh, you know, I mean, for all intents and purposes, uh, they were just trying to get back into the swing of things, and they had a very good season. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and and they're they're looking to build on that. So, you know, I expect their success to continue, and I definitely see them finishing um, 4-2, beating all the teams on their schedule with the exception of Boston ground game for them
1: worked really well last year pittsburgh wise even against uh even against Boston if I remember right uh quarterback mm-hmm. offensively was kind of balanced so um, you know as a coach against Boston, you gotta you got to play four quarters and there's no other way you got to be balanced offensively because if you become one dimensional they usually start tearing you down and they shut you down
0: yeah um I think I agree with mark's prediction with them going four and two but do either of you guys have or do you remember um, what the score was of Boston versus Pittsburgh last season, by chance? Cause uh, I would have to it look it up. To, but I, I'm curious. Are we talking yeah, 20 well, points? Are we talking you know, 35? Cause, um, um,
1: let me look it up while you're,
0: while you're okay. commenting here. Yeah, but, sure it was. It was,
1: well,
2: but, yeah, while you're looking. Yeah, the, um, Pittsburgh right. in the um, conference championship. Um, yeah. The score was maybe not as indicative of of what the game was like because I think Boston built up a pretty good lead, and um, you know Pittsburgh scored some touchdowns late to to kind of balance the the look of the score. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, that's score what I that score was always telling the
0: story. Yeah.
2: So
1: uh, Terry, it was uh, forty six to eight in their first meeting. That was back in okay. May. And then uh, I believe that was the only matchup they had, and then it was in the playoffs uh, in June. It was 42-24, so much improved.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, so with that being said, thank you for looking that up. Um, You know, a near 40-point margin in in the first meeting isn't very competitive, in my opinion. And then, like Mark said, the way the playoff game went was Boston got a really big lead. And then, you know, obviously they put in their backups and their reserves and try to keep their stars off the field uh, for obvious reasons, to, for health-wise. And then when their backups were in and reserves, that's when Pittsburgh scored some late touchdowns that made them probably look a little bit more competitive than what it was. So, with that being said, Pittsburgh was a, a long way away from being competitive with Boston last year, in my opinion. But um, based on who they've got in the offseason, we know Teresa Kahn is back um in the picture and she's an amazing uh, football coach so that could be the boost that they need to actually play competitive with boston and so fingers crossed like i said i want to see these uh, giants get knocked down you know what i mean i want to see boston eventually lose no offense mark um and i want to see texas elite spartans lose and so you know i think it'll be good for the sport for um for both of those teams to lose eventually how soon that happens remains to be seen um, but I'm hoping that a team like Pittsburgh can be one of the teams that uh, makes makes Boston sweat. So we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. For now, four and two is is uh, what
2: I'd go with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should uh, we should not forget to mention um, that you know last year you know Boston wasn't the only team to beat the Passion. Um, the Detroit Venom did pull out a victory against the Passion mm-hmm. last year as well. Correct. You know, a yeah. pretty exciting game. That I remembered, um, and the venom were like really pushing for a playoff spot and it, it didn't work out, um, but we'll talk about the venom in a, in a little bit, but yeah. you know, I would just just to say that you know there was some sort of competitive parity there uh, mm-hmm. between these teams um, all around you know d c yeah. detroit uh, pittsburgh uh, and it was Pittsburgh that advanced to the conference final. And you know, for the eye test, they seem to be the more the more complete team. Um, I think next probably would be like Tampa, um, and of course we're going to talk about Tampa too. Uh,
1: Mark, we can't forget uh, uh, Lisa George, Marcelina Chavez, and uh, I think it's Jenna Meister, the three the three key people that basically were. Uh, the key pieces They were very competitive against uh, Boston in their last matchup, which they put up uh, 24 points, half of the 40, they held them to 40 even in their playoff game. So, you know, th- those three, those three uh, were very big contributors to, to the passion. So if they return uh, this season, uh, I think, uh, you know, Chavez and, and for sure and George uh, and Meister, I mean, those are the key weapons that they're going to probably exploit, um, in terms of and so that, and you got Con and, and Horton uh, leading the leading the way there in terms of the coaching staff, and they know what Boston's all about. I don't think they're strangers to that. So it's it's you mm-hmm. know it's, it's one of the one of the passions to beat the Renegades. <laughs> is right. that, did I
2: say that right? And, yeah, it's one of the passions <laughs> to beat the Renegades. So we'll go yeah, with well, that. I mean, one um, of the things that's really great about the Passion is that they all they always find a play their playmakers right yep. and give them a whole bunch of new people and they'll find out who play, the playmakers are and um I certainly hope all those people uh come back um Maria Satali mm-hmm. also the running back um uh seem to be pretty you know a pretty good piece for them as well so yeah like hopefully they can um you know continue to um um have that experience in their roster um but I have no worries about them uh, finding the competitive players, too, and, and putting them in to shine.
1: On top of that, you know, the, def- the defense, uh, you know, uh, Hannah uh, Damon and Caitlin Niedemeyer leading the way there last season uh, in terms of pressure. So, uh, like I said, it's, you know, if Pittsburgh really concentrates on that, uh, we're looking at them uh, going up against Boston once again in the playoffs. So that's what's gonna, that's what it looks like right now. Um so in yep. terms of the early prediction. So could be that that situation again this coming uh, this coming year. So uh four and two, we got that there. Run the table with Boston. Let's see here, what are we where are we at? Uh so uh, uh Terry, Tampa Tampa mm-hmm. Bay seems to always either we're very hyped on them to do well and then all of a sudden they just can't seem to put a, a, a great season together. So um, they get Detroit right off the bat. Then they get Pittsburgh on the road. Then they get D.C., which they've always had kind of a struggle against. Then they're going to get mm-hmm. against Alabama. Uh, then then get Boston at the end. So, and then they got Miami, Miami Fury. So if you want to drop down the Fury win, okay, there you go uh Boston may be a loss uh Alabama we it's a toss up right now we have no idea what they're going to be about DC they've always not played well so there's so it you know if you look at the schedule
0: here uh it we might
1: Tampa might have a disappointing season
0: Yeah I think I'm feeling a little bit torn with Tampa Bay between uh 4 and 2 and 3 and 3 record uh, mm-hmm. the reason for that is you know I think Pittsburgh will be better than them. Um, that's just my opinion. And then, obviously, Boston is, is the team to beat, so that's most likely a loss for them. But then, you know, a wild card game could be the D.C. Divas. D.C. Divas, I think, will take a step backwards without players like D. Scott, um, but they do mm-hmm. have a certain degree of pedigree uh, that they, the, they're they still going to be a at least a decent team regardless. They're always going to have good numbers. Um you know and they're they're a highly touted team so you know that's that makes it tough to pick them or Tampa Bay um but I do feel confident that they they'll beat Detroit, Miami Fury and uh, Alabama Fire and so I think they're worst case scenario 3 and 3 best case 4 and 2 in my opinion. Mark what what do you see here cuz last year they
1: they basically played their regional Florida swing um uh, for the most part and then the, their toughest their toughest issue was that uh, six point loss to Pittsburgh on June 11th. So it wasn't like they were um, a bad team. It's just they were not playing a, a competitive schedule. And this year, forcing themselves to play a competitive schedule, uh, I think it's a different story for them. Right.
2: Uh, it could be. I mean, okay. You know, to to your point, last year. Uh, they went 5-1 and one in the regular season with a loss to the Renegades. And, you know, the only other, as you said, you know, they played regionally, uh, played a lot of Florida games, which include the likes of, uh, you know, the Division Three Wave Runners, um, the Jacksonville Dixie Blues, uh, Orlando Anarchy. So um, compared to this season, you know, they're, this season they are taking on much stronger competition which I think is really essential for that program to, you know, they need to face stiff competition to, to toughen up and sort kind of get over the hump. I think one of the sort of historic uh, criticisms of uh, women's football in Florida is that, you know, they always looked good on paper during the regular season, but when it came playoff time and they were playing teams mm-hmm. like, you know, Chicago Force or, Uh, DC um, or Atlanta, they they just weren't up to snuff because they're just like competing in this bubble in Florida. Um, So it's really great that they are now taking on, um, you know, much better competition. A, you know, it's not a full pro schedule, but it's almost a full pro schedule, five pro teams and one division two team in Miami. Um, And, All that said, you know, I I think they have a pretty good shot at going four and two and I'm kind of with Terry, they might end up three and three. And I think that would be disappointing for them. Um, You know, I I definitely think that four and two is in their grasp. Like you said last year, um, Oscar, when they faced Pittsburgh in the playoffs, they, they only lost by a touchdown, six points. So you know, last year the competitiveness was there and you know, although they played a weaker schedule, they they did have sort of the best um scoring defense in pro uh last year. They were number one. Now that might change with the competition that they're facing this year, but you know, their defense was pretty good. You know, when they when they played um D C last year, they shut them out, you know. Um so that that's got to count for something. So I'm looking forward now, to. Uh, uh, go, go ahead, Martin.
0: No, yeah, I was gonna I'm, say, I'm looking uh,
2: forward. And I, I think four and two is not is within their grasp. I'm
1: mm-hmm. gonna uh, have to agree with you. I think that's probably the case too. I, I'm looking at that uh, in that sense too. I think that's they got winnable games. Uh, DC is winnable. They got a couple winnable games. Even Miami is winnable. Uh, I know Miami's listening to us. They're probably going to be, what? You know? Uh, But, you know what I mean? Uh, But, uh, Terry, the struggle with Tampa has been offensively. Defensively, they've never had a problem. They've always been really good on defense. Um, You know, but it's always been offense. Uh, You know, Shaw hasn't played a good game against when when it counts the most. And then on the run game, uh, they're also they have struggled so offensively. That's been their kind of Achilles' heel, where like they can't seem to muster a very good offense uh, when it when it matters, especially come playoff time. So now that they're playing a full, somewhat pro game, uh, I mean they they have to avoid that. They got to stay, you know, they got to be better offensively. In other words, because defensively, we know what they're about.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, it's important. I mean, <clears throat> take it from me. I, I was. Uh a part of the Denver Bandits last season. And um, as you guys know, we fortunately were able to squeak out an undefeated regular season and then made it to the Western Finals against the Utah Falcons and almost advanced to the championship against Texas. But um, Denver was like that last year also. So Denver, you know, we're winning games, but our offense underachieved, didn't score a lot of points, and put a lot of pressure on our defense to win games um, and keep the scores low. So – that's not where any team wants to be, um, and that's not going to cut it. When you know when you get to the big stage and you're in the playoffs, and so, you know, defense wins championships, but you also can't even get to the championship unless your offense is at least competent. So hopefully, it's better this year.
1: Mark, uh, so you know, I think that's ideal the four and two the four and two, you know, breakdown. So that means four and two. That would be put a, put in a tie with Pittsburgh for the most part, if you if you look at it that way, right? You you would get a, basically a tie in that top, which the, the, both teams are no stranger to each other. So, um, what do we say of DC? Let's go into DC mode here. Uh, DC has struggled. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of injuries for them in the last two seasons. Uh, and so Congeldi, uh, D Scott, no longer there. Uh, it's kind of like a rework for them in terms of what they're going to do. They got a stable offense with a quarterback that knows what they're doing. Now they got to find a run game and we don't know what that's going to be like defensively. They were somewhat okay. Uh, but you know, given the way the schedule works out for them,
2: it, it's tough. It looks tough. Uh, yeah, it definitely looks like it's going to be tough sledding for, for DC. And, You know, I never would imagine myself saying this. Like, I have never thought I would say this ever. But, you know, they have a possibility of going winless. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think, you know, I do think that they have some winnable games on their schedule. But they really have to show more than they've shown in, you know, the last, um, you know, last year. Uh, They really have to turn things around. Um, This is really... Uh, This is kind of really a litmus test season. Um, You know, D.C. is a great uh, franchise, and, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know, they find themselves in rebuilding mode, and some things haven't gone quite, you know, um, the way they wanted it to. Not sure what their roster is going to look like. Um, As you said earlier, like, I don't think numbers are really going to be a problem, but getting, you know, getting the rookies trained up, uh, to To be able to make an impact on the field and support the veterans, um, uh, to you know, be able to to work their magic is even. You know, there's a lot of work that that needs to be done and it needs to be happening now. So, you know, we know we know that their quarterback's good, can throw the ball. Um, she can run too, Condialdi. Of course, you know, with uh, injury history. Um, and you know, age, everybody's age creeps up every year, you know, um, they need players who can share the load and they, they, you know, in losing D Scott to free agency, you know, they lost a player that can carry, you know, carry a lot of that load. So they're, they're going to have to reinvent themselves. That's, that's really what it is. I think what I'm trying to say is, um, they really need to reinvent themselves so they don't end up you know, zero and six or one and five, Um, you know, Detroit, they, you know, (laughs) they might, that might be their most winnable game on the schedule and it's their last game of the season. So when you go kind of deep into the season like that, you know, you don't know how injuries are going to play a part. So um, they got to look at, they got to look at Pittsburgh and, and Tampa and see if they can squeak out some wins early on in the season. But, I, you know, I think it's, it's a pretty rough road for D.C. this year.
1: Mark, uh, I think I agree with you. Uh, one in five is my prediction. I think they'll finish in the cellar. Just sad to say that, but I think they'll probably finish in the cellar. They could prove us wrong because they're listening to us and they could be pissed off based on what we just said. <laughs> and they could surprise us, you know, by a field goal, by a touchdown, by one point. Uh so we're not going to count the DC Divas out, but this I mean, overall as we look at it right now, we don't even know what the roster looks like. Once the roster comes out, we can kind of reassess it again, but overall as it stands right now, it will be a tough it will be a tough battle and if they can even get to 2 and 5, you know, I don't know if Massey's going to be friendly to them, you know, based on their comp- competitive schedule and everything else. That right. could also be the case, right? So we'll know. Uh, Kerry, uh, Detroit, you talked about that, a lot of uh, losses at coaching, things like that. But Detroit's always played Pittsburgh really well. Uh, Detroit's always played uh, Boston very well. Uh, so, you know, if I don't think they're going to just, you know, give in. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're penciling everybody, and, and their, their schedule is competitive. So if they want to surprise anybody, this is the season to do it.
0: Yeah, Detroit, um, it's going to be interesting because you have the new Detroit team that was created this season who's taken some players. Um, mm-hmm. They play Columbus Chaos, Tampa Bay Inferno, Boston, Pittsburgh, uh, Capital City, and then D.C. So not as hard of a schedule as the other teams. I wanted to give a shout-out to the WFA um, for putting, like, for example, the Tampa Bay schedule is mostly – pro teams and I think that was intentional um, for them to try to build up the pro division and so shout out to the WSA for doing that because that's um, a step in the right direction but uh, for Detroit their schedule is kind of half and half right like playing Mm -hmm. Columbus Chaos and Capital City Savages is a huge difference than playing Pittsburgh Passion and Boston Renegades so since four of their six games are pro and two of them are not pro that's going to give them some lenience um, I'm not going to say free wins but they should be wins. You know, if you're a pro team, you should beat a team that's not pro. So let's say that those are our wins. So if it's, if they beat Columbus, they beat Capital City, that's already two wins. It's not a question. is how do they compete against D.C., Pittsburgh, Boston, and Tampa Bay. Um, it's, in my opinion, that Detroit <clears throat> will struggle against Pittsburgh and Boston, even though they've, been, they've beaten Pittsburgh in the past. Um, I think Pittsburgh will be, will be better this year. And then how they do – against Tampa Bay and DC um, is kind of a coin flip. So I think Tampa Bay should beat Detroit. Um, DC is kind of a a coin flip. So I see Detroit going either two and four or three and three based on how the game goes with DC.
1: Yeah, I'm going with three and three. I think that's ideal for them. Three and three. I I, I think they, they will go that route. Mark, what do you think? Three and three?
2: Uh, Yeah, I, I think that's, I, I would go with three and three. I definitely think that, um, uh, Terry's got a very astute observation. I, I think sort of Detroit's kind of playoff chances kind of a ride
0: mm-hmm.
2: on, um, you know, can they get that win against Tampa Bay or at DC, especially at the end of the season. Um, and, um, three and three looks good. Um, you should, they, sh- they should, theoretically beat Columbus and Capital City Um, uh, but I I will say I also think the reason those two teams are on the schedule isn't just because they happen to be nearby I think I think these teams also wanted to have a kind of an audition if you will they might be Mm -hmm. eyeing you know an inclusion in in pro um, next season possibly Um, Oh, interesting so, you know, I kind of look at at this schedule through that lens as well cuz they're not they're to put any old any old, you know, division 2 team in in a pro team schedule. So Certainly Columbus Mark, Columbus probably on showcase for that. I agree. Yeah. They're only going into their second year, so a lot yeah. of things can happen. Capital City, uh, you know, that part of Michigan has ch long history of women's football, so um if if they can organize upwards, you know i you know it wouldn't surprise me if they were seeking to field a a pro team uh in the next two years yeah, that
1: makes sense and 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 that should be the the way everybody should think right they they need to get to the next stage and really put themselves out there um. Terry, uh, Alabama, we know what they're all about in the WNFC. What are we expecting in the WFA based on their schedule?
0: Great question. And it hurts my heart to give you this (laughs) answer because I have um, some friends on that team. You know, Kelly Smith was on my podcast. Awesome player, awesome person. Um, I I wish her nothing but the best. But uh, you know me, I I keep it real regardless. So I uh, expect Alabama Fire to struggle In WSA Pro, and that's because um, they lost four good players. And um, Mm -hmm. for a team like Alabama who historically has had low numbers year in and year out, you just can't afford to lose four quality starters and just not miss a beat. And so because of that, I think they're going to struggle in WSA Pro. Let me see their schedule real quick. They are playing Derby season. You get Dynamite,
1: and then you get Atlanta Rage. Then you get Derby Oh. And then you get Inferno, and then you get Carolina, and then Atlanta. So well,
0: that's a different that's a different conversation. <laughs> that's a very friendly so, schedule.
1: So well, that's what I'm saying. So at this point, yeah. it, it, the question will be: Are we going to be disappointed if they fall to DC? I mean, DCD in week one, week three, uh, and week four against the Inferno, and then they they might even fall to Carolina or Atlanta. We don't know what it's all about. Like you said, with the numbers, so. Uh Mark the the real question is if they do that are they worthy of being in pro or did the the WFA jump the gun
2: Yeah I mean that's a really good question because um <laughs> ultimately I think this schedule doesn't really prove you know the only way that they can prove it with a schedule is to kind of destroy everybody on this schedule right mm-hmm. yeah. And if mm-hmm. that so if that doesn't happen we're kind of left not really knowing, (laughs) you know, what to think. Um, Uh But, uh, I mean, Atlanta is a new team, the Atlanta Rage. And so they're on the schedule twice here. Um, Carolina Phoenix really don't know where they are in terms of competitiveness right now. So, Uh you know, that seems, you know, if you have no idea whether they're competitive, chances are they're not that competitive at least not <laughs> um on fair at fair least, fair least fair not on fair. the yeah. pro level, right? Yeah. Um, so Derby City and the in Tampa are are the teams we we only teams that we kind of know and have a, an idea about um what they're all about. So those are the three games I think that you know um we'd have to look at closely to see whether, you know, um Alabama can keep up with those teams and, and what is it what does the score eventually mean in the end, you know, and mm-hmm. what does it look like on film? Stuff like that. Sometimes you yeah. can't just um, like look at a team's record and, and kind of be able to gauge where they
1: belong. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something out there that probably nobody's gonna well, some people will be interested in. So uh, uh Terry Lister, if you're Thelma Banks this is disrespectful, yeah. DCD, right? All gas, no break. right? Yeah, and If yeah, she gets well, off the block, week one and beats Alabama, and if she gets off the block on the road and beats Alabama again in one and three, we're going to know for sure that Alabama is not belonging pro, right off the bat. And it's a score is even a high score, and they, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? The, the scenario for Alabama is tough because they're coming from an impressive WNFC type of you know seasons. And now, like you said, with the roster changes and, and things that are happening, we don't know what the roster is going to look like right now. But, you know, if we look at it just clearly on what this schedule looks like, uh, it could be three and three or it could be, you know, uh, four and two or it could be the opposite. It could be like, you know, just a, a, balance, a balanced game or, or they can be, you know, we don't know what, like Mark says, we don't know what the Phoenix is all about. We have no idea what the Rage are all about. So a lot mm-hmm. of question marks for, for their schedule.
0: That's a great point. Um, I my prediction for Alabama Fire is they're going to finish five and one. The reason they're going to finish five and one is because the only D one team they're playing is Tampa Bay Inferno. Um, but mm-hmm. with that being said, their game one against Derby City, Derby City Dynamite will tell us a lot. So that'll tell mm-hmm. us, you know, how Alabama Fire looks their first year back in the WFA without those four starters. Are they? Yep. Imp- you know, are they trying to figure it out? Do they already have it figured out? Have they, have they been able to, you know, fill in the missing pieces and make it work? Um, Derby City Dynamite mm-hmm. is a really good Tier 2 team, and they play really hard. They play very physical and very tough, and so that will be a, a really good game, interesting game. In my opinion, Alabama Fire has more elite athletes, um, even with losing those four starters than Derby City Dynamite. Um, but also when I watch Derby City and the D2 Championship, I know some of their best athletes got hurt for the game, and so Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting. I think that game one week, that week one uh, game will tell us a lot about what Alabama Fire does and doesn't have. Um, But my prediction is that they'll they'll go five and one. they only lost to Tampa Bay, but then they're in a lose lose situation because if they go five and one, that's a great record, but it's not against great competition. But if they lose and they don't go five and one, they go four and two or three and three. Now they didn't have a hard schedule and they still didn't do good. And so now it's obvious that it, w- it was a misstep by the WFA to put them in pro. So it's tough to And the other
1: factor that you run into is will Massey be unfavorable to them because of that yeah, schedule? Exactly. Right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Because in the if WNFC, you bother, you one? In the yeah, WNFC exactly. they had,
1: the, they had the, uh, the, you know, the WFRC rankings and all that. So there was no, yeah. nothing of the strength of schedule to be considered. Here, the Masseys could punish them yep. based on the fact that they're not playing all pro team. That Indeed. also could be a detriment for them. So, yeah, a lot of question marks for the Alabama Alabama fire schedule. So, it looks to me like, based on what we saw, uh, the <laughs> the lineup that uh, the WFA posted is probably the ideal lineup. So they have Boston, Pittsburgh, Tampa, DC, Detroit, and Alabama, and we literally are agreeing with that. Technically, in terms of what yeah. the standings would look like right now. So yeah, yeah and to, and, and, I don't agree and that we're that not even considering out. Massey, we're not even considering yeah. Massey yet, so Massey will be considered later, so all right, let's dive into the first look before we get out of here. We've got fifteen minutes, first look into division two, uh national and American, so mark, let's start here uh let's see here uh I was pencilling in, I believe it was uh Baltimore, new york, one of the one of the rivalries. With uh, the other rivalry that I had on here, obviously uh, I think it was Grand Rapids, Columbus, if I'm correct on my schedule. And then you have on the west side or on the American side, um, they still have they still have Seattle on there for some reason. But I'm assuming that's not going to be a factor for them. But uh, we're looking at the, the 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 American side is really bleak in terms of competitiveness because a lot of the a lot of the teams are not even playing themselves in that in that bracket for some reason.
2: Um yeah, on the uh on the American side, I mean I I no, I I think we've got Oklahoma City, are they are they still division they're division 2 now, correct?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yep. so you got Sun yeah. City,
2: uh
1: Oklahoma uh, Lady Force uh, Max, ne- Nebraska Pride, Austin Outlaws, and then you got uh, Portland Fighting Chalk Wave. That's the American side,
2: right? I mean, I, I, you know, <laughs> Max's gonna love this. Like, I, you know, I'm hoping to see <laughs> something happening there in in Nebraska uh, with mm-hmm. Omaha with the Nebraska Pride. Um, you know, they they're gonna. Um, be playing the Iowa Phoenix uh, in, from Des Moines. And, you know, that's that's definitely a rivalry set up, okay? Those two teams are, I think, maybe two hours away from each other. Um, personally, I think they should combine and make one team, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> so that's that's exciting. Uh, then, you know, they're going to face the Vixen, uh, the Oklahoma uh, City team, um and then they face the Vixen again later in the in the year. So I, I, I think they got a pretty good schedule in Nebraska. So of course, are they now here's the question. Are they in the American or are they in the national? I can never really kind of gauge where they are. They're definitely I don't weak. I don't know what
1: west I don't east know or? why WFA doesn't just go west coast, east coast. It would just make it so less confusing. You know what I mean? <laughs> just west coast, east coast. Right? I'm like, just just do that. You know what I mean? American, national, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> um, Terry, <laughs> the only matchup that's intriguing in week one in this division mm-hmm. is Rapid City against Capital City Savages that I can see. It's week one. Mm.
0: You know, I didn't realize that week one of WFA isn't until April 22nd. I didn't know that was going to Yep. I wonder why that is. Well, Usually, you can't be drinking alcohol
1: day. and kind of, recalling all these things, Terry. You got to get off the alcohol. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. I know. I have a problem,
2: for sure. Yeah, you got to switch to a cream soda or tang or something. Or a seltzer. (laughs) One of the two. Yeah. That's the only game that I can can think of in week one
1: is uh, Rapid City against uh, uh, the Savages in terms of the D2 hmm. real key matchup would be week one.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm very intrigued by the – Alabama fire versus, uh, the, uh, one we talked about. Yeah. DCD against uh, that's derby. Not, yeah. That's not a D2. Yeah. It's not a D2 matchup. So yeah, yeah, I mean, there's not many D2 versus D2 matchups to, uh, to analyze, but that's the one that you, you mentioned is probably the best, the best one.
1: Um, so we get a
0: Michi- we get a Michigan clash,
1: uh, basically in week one, which, uh, it's, you know, Capital city was intriguing, right? Uh, Mark last year, they were very intrigued. Uh, Grand Rapids also yep. very intrigued. Yes. So, uh, it's a good match. Yeah. I think, I think two those right are two up
2: and comers. Uh, I yeah. think that's definitely, you know, good, uh, a good matchup in in that first week, uh, two up and comers, you know, uh, capital cities, you know, um, they went far in the, the playoffs last year. So, um, that'll be an exciting game. You know, I, I think, um, you know, a couple games of interest are the Austin Outlaws um, playing the Houston Energy. Um, yep. That you know, that'll I think that'll be interesting. Hopefully, it'll be competitive. I think we can learn a lot from that game. Um, that's sort of you know why I'm looking at it. Also, um, we'll get our first look at the WaySatch Warriors against the Sun City Stealth. Um, mm-hmm. So just as far as, you know, our, our first look at a new team, um, uh, now I, I believe the Wastatch is in Division Three, but, um, you know, that's, uh, they'll be playing the Sun City Stealth and who are newly moved up to uh, Division Two. So that's an interesting game to me
1: two, the only one I can mark down on week two, so we'll just go quickly here because we, we got got like seven minutes. The the next one that I marked down here was Baltimore, New York. Uh, that would yep. be week two. Uh, I think that's probably the only one. Uh, the next one is OKC Nebraska in week three. That would be the, the key matchup one. The Lady Force against the Pride that I yep. was looking at there. Uh, let's see here. Week five See here, week five. It was hard to look for stuff. It would be the rematch, CCC
2: against Grand Rapids.
1: It would be the rematch there. I think Um,
2: Carolina, Atlanta might be. That's a good Division Two matchup, I think. Yeah.
1: Uh Yeah.
2: Uh, See
1: here. The other one is uh, Grand Rapids against DCD on the twentieth. The other one that I was penciled in that could be interesting, uh, and then you have uh, Outlaws OKC on June sixth, I believe that's the date. Yeah, uh, Austin Outlaws versus OKC. Uh, so there's not much interesting besides the uh, the Oregon swing, which I think the Shockwave have dropped off a lot. So they you know they get their regional clashes with uh, the Oregon teams basically the cap, capital in Oregon as well. Um, so first look here, uh, I want to say, just looking at it right now, uh, not not that interested. Is that the word that I want to use?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we look at the schedule. You have a hard time <clears throat> finding intriguing matchups for yep. a D2 p- team playing another D2 team. So what I yep. do as a football fan is I look for <clears throat> matchups – of pro teams playing not pro teams so whether that's like a pro team playing a d2 team or a pro team playing a d3 team if you look at that matchup and you see how the game goes if they struggle against that team that's a d2 or d3 team that lets you know that they're not really up to the pro level this year and so that's kind of how Mm -hmm. i look at it um you know to kind of kind of gauge where teams are at and I'm not disrespecting of any of the D2 teams. What I'm
1: saying is, no. if you're a fan like we are, uh, we're really mm-hmm. looking for the clashes, right? We're really looking for the rivalry yeah. clashes. And so, yeah. you know, we don't know what Atlanta's going to be about, the rage. You, we don't know what their rivalry is going to be. We, we have no idea what Phoenix is going to look like. We have no clue as to, you know, what Jacksonville and Miami are going to bring to us. Uh, we could have some good clashes there as well. So um, we know that Baltimore and New York, with the whole situation in New York last year, uh, that makes it very intriguing for both both teams. Um, and then Mark uh, noted here, in Nebraska, right? Uh, we don't know what they're all about either. So a lot of question marks here, but the word is we're not in tr- as intrigued as in pro, in other words, you know, with the matches in pro, because the matches in pros are more staples, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, I, you know, I, I feel like in – the joy of watching division two though is that is the fact that you don't know much about the teams and that the Mm stories develop over the course of the season. So, um, you can, you can take some sort of, you know, um, entertainment value from that. Um, you know, especially, and there's new teams as well, like the Atlanta rage, um, you know, you know, to your point, you know, Baltimore and New York um, seem to be the teams that are more consistent year in and year out. And there are a couple of other teams that are sort of building on that sort of same thing, like with, um, you know, Capital City. They've kind of been pretty stable the last few years. Uh, You know, the the Iowa Phoenix. Um, But even some teams that have been around a long time, um you, you don't know what what they're bringing to the table you know we don't know what the Austin Outlaws are going to look like or you know the Carolina Phoenix so um there is at least that sort of discovery of of seeing you know what's going to happen it is a sh- it is a kind of a shame that Seattle did pull out of the the Northwest mm-hmm. there um i just you know just earlier today i got an updated schedule from um, the Portland Fighting Shockwave, and so now they're playing Oregon three times and
0: um, mm-hmm.
2: uh, Capital Pioneers Capital. three times. So, yep. and those teams still basically have the same exact <laughs> schedule. They all have the same schedule. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And Between I think that's the times. issue that we're having here with D two in terms of the you know what I used as not intriguing enough, but it, you know it's the same concept that we always do every year for D three, right? We wait until week six or week five, and then we start to look at it in terms of what the Massey brings upon us, and then we start to really dive into each one. So I think in, D, in D2, D uh, I think we, we're we looking at maybe week four before we start to look at, like, okay, what are the key matchups that that are going to make sense to go to Canton or even week five, you know, in terms of – because I think DCD – uh, Will probably get a, a Massey favor, uh, favorable by Massey, given the fact that they're playing a higher competition. You know what I mean with the with the Massey, the way right. Massey works. Yeah, uh,
2: and the way the Division Two schedule is structured, basically, is that um, all the teams play four games before there's essentially a league-wide bye week on May 27th, and then yeah. after that, there's uh, two more weeks of games. So that might be the ideal time to, you know, take a closer look at Division Two, just as teams are vying for playoff position in the last two weeks. Yep.
1: All right, guys. That was first look for D2. Uh, I think that's a pretty intriguing matchups. We'll dive into uh, our actual predictions and how they'll finish next week. We'll just kind of go into the actual D2 predictions. And uh, so I'm pretty sure we're going to get comments from everybody in terms of whether they agree with us or not. Uh, The pro uh, (laughs) predictions I'm pretty sure everybody's probably uh, agreeing with, but we don't have the rosters yet. So uh, hold your ad comments for us until we get the rosters and we might change our predictions then. But overall, as it stands today, um, you know, we're, we're basically that's where we're standing in terms of the outcome. So uh, you guys can comment on the post on our podcast post on our Facebook page at the hub at Facebook.com. So uh, you guys, Thanks for uh, tuning in today. Thanks for making us uh, your favorite podcast Tuesday nights and breaking down everything women's tackle football. Uh, I want to just say I'm sorry that uh, Connie Colbert couldn't make it in. Um, unfortunately, she wasn't feeling well. Uh, the Hall of Famer, obviously, has got some um, family things to deal with as well. And then uh, Mac was unable to make it today. So, uh, but, uh, you know what, Terry and myself and Mark, I hope we entertained you really well. Thank you for all the downloads in the uh, 436. Go back and uh, review 436 with Grace Cooper and Coach uh, Soho. Uh, so thank you for everybody downloading those on iHeart. Uh, so, guys, that's it. Great show, uh, good feedback. I hope everybody appreciates what we bring to the table. And uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, a lot of action happening in the next couple of weeks. But uh, we're going to dive into WFA Pro American and D2 predictions next week. So uh, that's it. We're out of here. Anything for the fans guys. Get to the hub bub. Let's do it. Get to the hub.